Welcome to Cocktails and Calamity, the show where we get inebriated and discuss the fallout of technology, politics, and the social transformations shaping humanity's global future. And we are live. Welcome to Cocktails and Calamity, the show where we get lit, get comfortable, and discuss the technology, politics, and social transformations shaping humanity's global future. I'm your host, Michael. Joining me today are Krista Mavalini, Jason Herman Harris, and Brooks Lopez. Welcome, everyone. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you, guys. Quick, Good to see you. Good to see you. Uh, quick intro. Jason uh, is a graduate of Farley Dickinson University with degrees in political science and history. Uh, he's been a contributor to several publications, including The Economist, Foreign Affairs, Time, the U.S. Naval War College Review. James Defense Weekly, uh, Brooks, uh, Kristen, and I, on the other hand, have absolutely no credentials, and you should not <laughs> anything. Uh, no, I'm, I'm completely kidding. Uh, Brooks is far more educated uh, than I am, and not so our, our topic today is a, is a powerful one, uh, and it, it was your brainchild, Brooks. It's the American experiment in the fall of Rome, and we're going to be going into kind of the similarities and differences and... Uh, Brooks, why don't you just uh, kick us off and tell us a little bit about why you know you were passionate about this topic? What what brought it to the forefront of your mind? Well, so one of the things that that I watched, um, like going into the initial, uh, I guess the first year or two of of the Trump administration, was watching uh, our our far right um, oppose uh, a progressive movement that is very very supportive of and i'm going to use the roman terminology here the plebeians right right and i believe uh that you know most most of those who who are supportive of the far right or or are you know call it conservative they want the one person to continue to do better would be supportive of an aristocracy to a degree so we create this this really harsh dichotomy between the very well off and those who don't really have anything. And I didn't really see anyone sticking up for the middle class. Um, and, and so as I watched this progress, one of the things that came to my mind, one of the things I thought about was that from from my past and, and my nerddom in loving ancient history, the failure of the middle class and the in the reduction of the middle class was one of the big leads to the cause of the fall of Rome and watching that happen here in America made me kind of start to question a lot of the parallels that exist. And that's, yeah. I mean, that's kind of a synonymous. Yeah. Part. Um, yeah. And I just want to say like doing the research for this topic, because as I mentioned to you previously, you know, I don't have a lot of experience studying this topic and the more I dug into it, um, the more terrified I became, uh, you know, you know, why Rome fell. And there's a lot of differences and there are things that, and we're going to dive into a, a lot of those, but, um, you know, maybe, uh, maybe Jason, you can give us a quick, like, um, you know, when, when we brought the topic to you, what were your initial thoughts? Um, so my initial thought was, uh, my very first thought was military in nature in that, um, military conquest over the centuries has, or at least the maintenance of a military presence in conquered lands is always about lines of communication and the ability to sustain infrastructure in a widening area, whether it's Persians, Romans, the British, could be anybody. And and the infrastructure in, in, in almost every instance throughout history, 
empires tend to cave in on themselves because their ever expanding uh, uh, need of, of, of for resources is is just not sustainable. It's just not a long term sustainable model. And Rome Rome is a great example of that. Um, and and the United States is in is in perilous danger, both abroad and at home, of having put itself basically painted itself into a corner of having made commitments that are almost inconceivable to think of that we could keep. So spread, spread themselves too thin, right? Yeah. And, and normally like when people think of Rome, they think of it in terms of the Roman empire, the collapse of the Roman empire. Well, it, it, it's, you know, the United States, we don't really have, you know, so many territories or lands across the seas that we need to keep under lock and key necessarily. But the, the one thing that I always go back to is Social Security. Well, when it started, no one, no one that I have ever heard of. Well, no, nobody was saying, I mean, if you look at the population of the United States in 1940, nobody could imagine of such an incredible explosion. People were going to live so long. And, right. and, and who's going to be the politician now that's going to stand up and say, you know, if, if you're a politician now and you want to raise the Social Security age by five minutes... Your career is over. So, so how do you, you know, somebody um, in my business, for example, we have a saying: I get paid to have difficult conversations with my clients. That's sure. what I get paid for. Sure. So, politicians. It used to be that politicians were respected for having the ability to have those conversations or make the tough decisions in a way that that sort of equally hurt everybody. That we could all at least chalk it up to the to the general welfare, to borrow a phrase. But now it's the opposite. Nobody wants to touch that. The third rail is everything is the third rail. So, you know, Jason, I think that that's a, a really excellent point. And I think that even we pull that back to, to Rome, the idea that the, the Senate at one point in time was in place to help make difficult decisions for the Republic or the Empire uh, was a huge factor. And eventually, just like what I currently believe, and, and I think you may as well, that our Senate uh, is probably just there to um, make the people who put them there happy and no longer make those tough decisions anymore. Right. You know, looking at the research for this broadcast, uh, the very first thing on the on the research tableau is the you know greece the birthplace of democracy and demos the word meaning people and, and i'm looking at that and and sometimes i'll never get past page one of a book because it'll it'll inspire a thought that just takes off forever and and if you think about what you just said the senate is there to represent the, the interests of the people and the problem is now since we've decided that corporations are people Right. You, there, there is no one person. There's no even group of people, even a lobbying people, even even black people or Hispanic people or Asian people or Christian a people or Indian or whatever. Right. You're absolutely right. There, there is no quote unquote person or group of people, meaning humans, that can even enter the arena. Pardon the pun of the Roman reference. I know. Uh, I like of, it. I uh, like uh, it. Uh, uh, of of. Of, of Google or Facebook, if Facebook, if Facebook wants pick a pick a politician, uh, uh, John Cornyn in Texas, if Facebook wants his career to end tomorrow, it's over. And that's that. There's a line from the movie uh, Malcolm X where Peter Boyle, the actor, says that's too much power for one man to have. 
Yeah. Well, and I think that it's really interesting because now we're in this weird position and, you know, we're going to dig into kind of the, the comparisons of early America and Rome. But I think that, you know, looking now at the ability these huge conglomerates have in media, in the ability to censor media and the ability to proliferate media, we're in a very interesting place because, uh, you know, the political identities are growing so inflamed that it's very difficult to see how we begin to, we, you know, we come back together. But I just want to real quick, I want to go back a little bit and uh, talk a little bit about Greece and then um, give a little bit of history um, and then talk about how these things are interacting today. So as you said, uh, Greece was the birthplace of democracy. Uh, demos means people. Kratos means rule. So rule of the people. Um, but Greece was a direct democracy. Uh, in that the people directly voted on specific measures, laws, and the things that would govern the populace, whereas uh, Rome was a republic. It was more of a representative democracy in its heyday. The Roman Republic dates uh, from 753 to 27 BC. But the interesting comparison between uh, the Roman Republic and the American democracy in its early stages was that in the Roman Republic, it was male landowners who were represented, who elected um, certain officials. Uh, and in Rome, they were terrified of centralized power. Um, and so they created the Senate, the consuls and the assembly, which are you know very similar to what we have here in the United States when it comes to separation of powers. And what the Senate represented in Rome, I think, is what people hate here in the United States, because the Senate was an elite political class. And so we're now experiencing this very similar situation where there's this massive distrust for this elite uh, political class. Um, but the assembly was the common man. They didn't even have, they didn't even have a, a structure. They literally met in the square and, um, you know, and proposed things to the Senate, which could then either be uh, forwarded as laws or rejected, which is very similar to our House of Representatives versus our modern day Senate, right? Definitely. And one of the things, well, sorry, Jason, if you, I was, I was going to ask you, Mike, um, and Jason, actually, really both of you. So in, the, in that framework, the position of the consul was such a huge uh, factor, right? So, so to, to kind of uh, do my best to to uh, make them equal, right? So your legislative branch would be the Senate. The assembly wasn't necessarily uh, judiciary, but still kind of existed in that factor. And then I would, I would um, point to the consuls as maybe our quote unquote executive branch prior to the existence of the, of, of an empire or of an emperor. I mean, Right. So, but the thing though there is that the consuls were typically, they were servants, not in the, but once they were pointed to by Rome, like Rome said, hey, listen, you're going to be a consul. You had to lead Rome from a militaristic standpoint. And it was a, it was a position and you got judged on it, not the way that our presidents do now. <laughs> what do you mean not in the way that our presidents do now? I mean, all we have, I mean, we have opinion polls and everything, but, but at the end of the day, if the Senate looked at the consuls and said, you're not doing what we asked, um, or you're not performing well, it's time to get rid of you and replace you. Right. Yeah. You know, listening to, listening to, uh, Brooks's description and then Michael's 
introduction sort of laid out in my mind the fact I, I'm sitting here, sitting here thinking if we all agree that this system is is teetering on the our system is teetering on the brink of calamity shameless plug for you there it <laughs> is um you, the title of this broadcast is the american experiment so while brooks was going over that i'm thinking well what is the experiment i mean what what is so unique and and, and revolutionary and 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 knew about the american experiment and i think if you look back to what brooks just said about about the consoles and that system whether it's the consoles and the pro console system whether it's the shogunate in asia whether it's the maharajas in in south asia whether it's the 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 nobility in europe uh or 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 the uh or, or the or the dynasties in china or the empires of the central and south america there was always the, the the reason that they existed and that they stayed, but they, was the same reason they always failed, was because they were out of balance. So it was the Machiavellian part where we know there's going to be a position, a, 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 a time of of existence, and we also know you're going to flame out, like that saying, better to burn out than fade away. I think the American experiment, if there is a unique attempt here and we're still only 250 years in is that we started out with the idea that the most ridiculous idea ever imagined that we were going to have a balance and we have we have maintained for well i'll say up for maybe 220 years some semblance of a balance where where the senate actually was a learned deliberative body of theoretically higher level there are six years not two etc and the people's house was two years each and and the the, the the house of representatives is where people would come to scream at each other and and point fingers and everything else and, and then the balance between the branches but now if i said for example and then you had the geniality right john mccain's best friend was joe biden and all these other things now i can't tell you what the quote-unquote identity of a senator is because there is none we have senators yeah, right. Exactly. There's, there's no. If I have ten million dollars, I can be a senator. Like, there's no forgetting about political party for a second. There's no rational reason why Kelly Leffler should be a senator. It, she, she's just not qualified for the job. I don't care if she's a Republican or a Democrat. She's if, if for example, Tom Hanks, right? He's a big liberal Democrat. If Tom Hanks ran for the U.S. Senate in my state, I wouldn't vote for him because he's not qualified. He'd still win though. See, you just, that's the point. That's the point. You're right. And and we could count on him not knowing his ass from his elbow. Okay. And the problem is that, that the balance was maintained for 230 years by the fact that we knew at least there was truth in advertising. We knew who was there, even if we didn't agree with them. And sure. now, basically, it's now all bets are off. And it's, it's the wild, wild west. Well, let, right. let me ask you this, Jason, because I think this is... Uh, uh, in, your point is, is very well made and, and well articulated. Here's what scares me is if Tom Hanks ran as a Republican in any state, he'd still win. There's no identity. It's a zero. It's, it's not. Remember what uh, uh, General Eisenhower said about why he became a Republican? Because they asked me first. Right. Well, well, what and, the then, and, then, and then went on to indemnify the uh, the. Um, military industrial complex which he was a part of initially right you look it, there's there's it 
in a perfect world, uh, people that I know and respect that are smarter than me really value they really value uh, oppositional government, uh, uh, you know, a, a, a government where, where it's not all one party. Sure, the yeah, that, that is, balance that you were talking about. That's where it comes from. The problem now is we have one political party, and I know people like to say that, but we have one political interest, and the interest is money. And and therefore, it's you like people use the word conservative. I haven't used the word conservative in years because I don't even know what it means. I knew what it meant in, in 1980. It yeah. was very simple. Prior to Reagan, right? They wanted this, this, and this, and and Dem and liberals wanted this, this, and this. You, but now you you have a right wing, radical right wing president expanded the deficit and the debt more than anyone in history. Right. So, so what? If I was a Republican right now, and I used to be a Republican, I'd, I'd be freaking out. But apparently, it doesn't matter. And yeah. and and you know, liberals. If you look at liberals, they're the ones that are supposed to be doing those things in in, in the social safety in that case. But they've also cast off a lot of their of that because it just all comes out to money. Sure. Oh no, I was just gonna. I, I use the word conservative more often when I'm speaking about myself than when I'm speaking about political parties, like the dictionary definition of. Conservative. I mean, yeah. obviously, more than one. Which, which, which is not Kristen, by the way, at all. No, so. in some ways, annoyingly. Well, so in what ways are you conservative? <laughs> um, family unit wise, stuff like that. I'm, yeah. Right. You're you're about a, a, at least one parent staying home. Yeah, I think kids should be spanked. Like <laughs> I don't know why that's no, limited. I, I don't know why it's limited to children, but that's a different. That's a different that's podcast. That's exactly what I was going to say. Jason. Okay, that's funny. <laughs> um, uh, you know, but b- before we get too far along, I wanted to just bring up one point about um, uh, before I lost the train of thought completely about the, the balance and where it comes off the rails. Uh, the the beginning of the cast, we were talking, or, or I can't remember who it was that mentioned. The middle class. I might have been Kristen. I mentioned the middle class, and here's 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 what I think about why the middle class is gone. That's not going away. It's gone, is because nobody. It's like uh, in the movie JFK. Jim Garrison says, "Who grieves for Lee Harvey Oswald?" In in the in the United States, we romanticize two groups of people: the very very poor and the very very rich. Mm-hmm. So in the United States, we say, How, what do you mean you romanticize the very poor? Oh, do it all the time. I, I'm Absolutely. a blue collar worker. I come up from the bootstraps. My my daddy was a coal miner. I blah, 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 blah. All that, all that Paul Bunyan bullshit. Okay. <laughs> and then, yeah, yeah, we, we, I, you know, I'm, I'm like Sarah Palin. That's the heartland of America. I don't even know what that means. So then, then. And we romanticize the mega rich, obviously the Horatio Alger, blah, blah, blah. Nobody ever says, so, so we have a lot of people that are proud to come from nothing and, and everybody aspires to be super wealthy. Nobody ever says, boy, I would love to just make ends meet someday. Oh my God, how the, great it would be to just get a paycheck. The American dream of the white picket fence and the 2.5 children and the uh, you know Chevy Tahoe is gone. It's gone because, the, and you're absolutely right, the people who are literally, call it true blue collar, think that raising taxes on the on people who make more than $400,000 a year, 1% is sexually $424,000 a year. We talked about this on the night that we did the election, right? $424,000 a year is the 1%. So you can go from being dirt poor 
to making, I'm going to call 150 grand a year, really good money and still be so far away. I mean, orders of magnitude almost away from being in the 1%. And you're not going to get touched by that. But the idea that you're going to go, that if you do okay for yourself, that the the federal government wants to take everything away from you, that's just absurdism. Mm. Right. And I think that, you know, that really leads us back to the fall of Rome, because that was one of the things that very much led to the fall of Rome was the disintegration of the middle class. The rich were getting richer, the poor were getting poorer. And there was very few people, you know, like I think of the middle class as kind of the glue that holds society together. And I think so. that class starts to disappear. You start to see this fragmentation happening. Um, and, and it's very, very scary. And, you know, you look at ancient Rome and the rich were heavily taxed. I mean, they were so heavily taxed, in fact, that they started to retreat from Roman society and start to create these uh, pseudo independent fiefdoms in, you know, in the hills just to avoid taxation, which we kind of start to see here, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, you several see, different ways. Yeah, in, in different ways. I mean, you know, you, you see like, you know, we talk about, you know, Biden's tax plan is to tax people who make $400,000 or more. Um, okay, well, why not go after the loopholes of the mega rich? I mean, that's really where where, where the boat is leaking. Well, you know, and we take the 35% tax bracket for corporations and reduce it to 22%. But I mean, what did, uh, what did Amazon pay last year? Not $5. Well, how much is a banana? $10. Right. You know, um, the, 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 the thing about, uh, uh, the, you know, the the, the first step in, in overcoming your problem is to admit it. And, if you or at least to at least to acknowledge that it's a problem sure. if you say if if you say to americans i love analogies i've been a trainer and a teacher my whole life i love analogies so if i said to you okay mary your 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 car payment is going up from $300 a month to $310 a month mary might say oh well, that's a pain in the neck or oh this or maybe i'll buy two less coffees or whatever that's fine if i said to mary your car payment is going up from $300 a month to one hundred and seventy-eight thousand dollars a month. That's that would be th- th- there. There are no there are no shifting moves you can do to accommodate that. So when you say to people the 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 uh, the, the, the the American the debt the, the deficit is twenty trillion dollars, the entire worth of the planet Earth is one hundred and forty trillion dollars. One seventh of that is money we owe to somebody. Right. And and if it, it's it's getting bigger every day or smaller every day, we all remember the debt clock in Times Square. So if I was somebody, if I would say, okay, Mister Mrs Jones, your your mortgage is now a million dollars a day. What are you going to do to 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 address that reality? If you said that to most Americans, they say, well, so wait a minute, your debt. If every American gave their entire worth. To, to pay off the debt, we still couldn't do it. And you got people that all they're worried about is how many bars they have on their phone. And, and this, this, this debt is, is consumptive. It's, it is, it is it's the equivalent of having 3,000 tumors in your brain. And people are like, well, eh, it'll work out, or that's just this, or that's just that. Doesn't work that way. Well, keep in mind, it's kind of strange. 
because we, I mean, we, we've never gotten to this point before. I mean, obviously, you know, in, in the era of Rome, value was uh, given to, you know, specific commodities, you know, gold, silver, and, and these sorts of things. And we've never been in a situation where we've had this ballooning debt before to this point where we don't exchange uh, mediums of value, we exchange um, ideas of value. And so it's, it's really weird. And I almost wonder um, if there will come a point where we're just like, hey, China, you know, we're just not going to pay you. <laughs> I mean, I don't see why we wouldn't. What Does that ring any bells for anybody? Is that, is what you, Michael, is what you just said... Have those exact words ever been said by a leader of a country ever in history exactly in that way? I think it has. It was in 1933. And, and Adolf Hitler said, you know what? We're we, done. Hey, we, <laughs> what he, 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 gave, he gave the most famous policy speech ever, and it sounded something like this. What are you going to do about it? Right. Uh. You made it sound like it was from Goodfellas, but yeah, it was just still the same. same I'm from Brooklyn. I can't help it. But hey, that's, so, uh, yeah. But, but you're right, Jason. And, and Mike, you, you bring up a couple of awesome points, right? So, so three things real quick. First, to answer Jason's question, what is the American experiment? The experiment is that we are taking capitalism beyond capitalism. We are indeed actually, we're playing with money we don't have that no one has. And then on top of that, I think the other two things that come into it are the middle class, you're right, Jason, is dead, it's been dead. But more importantly, beyond the, the romanticizing of both the very wealthy and the very poor, we're leveraging what the middle class is able to produce here in this country, which is information. I mean, that's really, that's what we do best. Um, and innovation. And innovation, that's a good point. Yeah, absolutely. In, information and innovation. And we're selling it to no one. Really? I mean, we are. We, we are selling it to others. I mean, I think one of the big problems, and, and maybe this addresses your point a bit, is that we're getting ripped off. Our intellectual uh, innovation is getting ripped off by China. Um, and I think this is where, you know, a lot of people on the right will say, you know, you guys want a globalist economy, yet you're allowing these other countries to literally steal from you. Um, you know, what is American innovation worth? And, you know, going back to economics, I mean, this entire system is built on a house of cards, right? Because you can borrow with money that you don't have. Banks can lend uh, money based they on. They don't uh, even have themselves, right? They don't have liquid. And, you know, this there there comes a point where you know to to what extent do we trust our productivity and and our and our future innovation and so as long as there's trust in you know american productivity and innovation we'll still get lines of credit right but so that's so that's exactly it mike right so lines of credit right. but when do we start to rebalance the credit that we're given against what we're actually producing whether it's whether it's you know feasible physical products or it's information and innovation, because the answer to that is never, and it will be never. You know, there there are. I go back to the fact that you have to acknowledge the fact that it's a problem. You you have you have sixty plus percent of Americans saying that the economy is booming. 
pardon my French, but what the f- are you talking right. about? Like, well, what do you, what do you, is, is, is that speech from newsroom when Jeff Daniels says, what the hell are you talking about, Yosemite? I mean, what are you talking about? And the irony being that people who don't own stocks point to the Dow Industrial Average as an indicator of how well the economy is doing. <laughs> and by the way, let's go back to Rome for a second. The Romans kept their plebeians at bay with circuses and gladiators. We have gladiators today. Obviously, the easiest example to point to is the NFL or something like that. I was seeing seeing Kim Kardashian, but I'll take NFL. Well, hold on a second. So let's go with that for a second. If we just take the concept of the gladiators, not for the sake that it was bloody and everything else, which is part of it, but the attraction was the distraction, okay? if, if 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 the distraction was the attraction, so is the Dow Jones. So is the the right versus the left, the red versus the blue. It's anything. It, it's anything to keep your eye off the ball. Mm. While while there, there are people, you know, we've seen articles in the past two or three months of the ridiculous amounts of wealth that have been made. Again, pushing the the, the middle, you know, out, out to the sides. Yeah. And the, the in in history. So I, I agree with Brooks. The answer is never, it never, ever, ever. The only way it will happen is when they storm the gates and light torches and burn down the castle. But the fact is, do I'm not get me excited, you, Jason. Do not well, get me excited. Well, look, and you don't have to worry about it. Let me tell you why. Because as long as the 5G network is rolled out nationwide and people <laughs> have really good Wi-Fi, no problem. Pay no, no attention to the man behind the curtain. Well, That's right. Yeah, I mean, obviously, this is terrifying. And, you know, we're doing our our tiny part here on Cocktails and Calamity to keep people entertained and informed. Um, But I think that, you know, we're sitting here looking at at the at the the very near term future going, we've never seen such divisive identity politics. Um, And and I I don't use that word as a um, a slam against things like Black Lives Matter and minority movements and important things that need to be uh, reckoned with and, and uh, realized as having historical roots and, and are systemic. I'm more talking about the idea that, you know, uh, liberals have a mental disorder and conservatives are, you know, complete morons. And if, if we I was going to say fascist, but you go with I was, was going to say Nazis, but morons is fine. Right. I can't say Nazi anymore. Apparently, I get in trouble for that. Right. You get in trouble for saying Nazi? I'm just I mean, kidding. Unless it's an actual Nazi. Um, okay. Well, but no, in all, in all fairness, I think it's, I think it's all fine. Right. Because it's not who worked for. Some of them are good people. <laughs> an, actual, an actual Nazi guy. Well, I mean, you know, keep in mind, though, that, that Nazi is national societistic. I can't even remember the whole acronym, but the. Irony being that calling someone a socialist is the Nazis were socialists, right? Right. Or claim to be, claim to be, claim to be, claim to be. Right. Uh, I, I was just going to ask a question of everybody. When I, I'll never forget um, my last final, my last class of my last day of undergraduate school. Uh, the the class was called Civil War and Reconstruction. And the final exam was one question, and it said, when did the Civil War start, and when did it end? 
1776 and it still hasn't well so so my question would be if, if we're talking about some type of you know uh denouement or collapse or last chapter of the american experiment or whatever if somebody would say well what really started the downslide or what accelerated it or this or that you could point to this date that date it, every, i think everybody would have their own interesting takes on it um mine mine would be 1968 and and the reason would be that was when people realized that being a principal leader would get you your head blown off Mm. and and since then there are people out there we know them there are a lot of people they mean well they're intelligent they're hardworking. they they want the best for everybody and they're great at compromise and none of that the only thing they all have in common is none of them would go anywhere near a public President elected Trump. office mm-hmm. right. or, or even right. and and that was you know that was that was my 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 favorite my idol in public service was Robert Kennedy, and Robert Kennedy got a a hail of bullets through his head. I mean, he wasn't perfect or anything, but Is that but Sirhan Sirhan, if you believe that, yeah. And uh, <laughs> and uh, there's a, there's a lot of the, and by the way, um, so so anyway, that was when after that it became it just became. I want to be a politician the same way that I might want to be an actor or whatever, you know? And I think that's the big problem here. And I think that's where, you know, you go back to Rome again and you that's what the Senate became. You're right, Mike. That's exactly what the Senate was. It was an elite political class. And we've gotten to the point in America where being a politician is an elite, elite class. Well, right. But then you're also talking about the fact that like the reasoning that people get into politics i mean it's gonna be your family is in politics or you have a social disorder <laughs> to be in front of people like, like the same reason people want to be actors so, or, or do podcasts so, yeah. no, or, so, so, but but christian's but christian's absolutely right there's two huge issues there right one's nepotism which became a huge factor in what what why rome became an empire in the first place and then which our, which our founders hated, hated, despised, left England, some of them, for that, right? And then the other side of it is celebrity. We didn't have Facebook and TikTok and Instagram, and you couldn't just show your butt on the internet to get popular back in Roman days. Right. But I mean, maybe you could you, show it in the town square. Well, most of those people were considered uh, fools, I believe. Uh, I don't know. You know it, it, I, I'm, I don't know what an originalist is, but I do. I do always like to go back to the founding documents, only because they were written so much better than anything else has ever been written. And and if you think about, in order, we the people, in order to form a more perfect union. We actually started off with the understanding that we weren't really that great yet. That we were more perfect union. Yes, right. sir. Mm-hmm. We didn't say we're, we're so great. It basically, the Declaration of the Constitution said we know what bad looks like or we know what we don't like. We don't know what perfect looks like, but we think we have kind of a start. Let's give it a shot. Let's give it a shot and see what happens. And 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 the fact that the, that the, that the, the government derives its power from the consent of the governed only works 
if the governed all all admit accountability in the fact that we're not perfect well, and are part of it and are part of it right well so if you say i've asked people this before i asked i was in a group of republicans recently and i said to them tell me your tell me a democrat that was elected president in the, in the first 45 whatever that you would have voted for tell me the last democrat even though even if you never voted for one if you had to pick one that you could hold your nose and vote for and none of them would even answer the only one gave me an answer said the most recent democrat he thought he could vote for was thomas jefferson and i said okay i said okay the, you know, I, I, now look i said that's not that's just not good that that that's doesn't to be proud of yeah well, yeah it's this that's the galvanization of bipartisanship and that's what it comes down to right and, and i've you know i've done my my um bring the pitchforks we'll do the whole thing andrew jackson and the spoil system for bipartisanship in this nation has ruined this fucking country far worse than any of the other things we've already done to ruin this country but to go back to rome let's do this to come to the united states uh mostly from from england and to try to create a more perfect union the romans did what they did using a lot of inspiration from greece just like we had a lot of inspiration from england obviously and tried to do their own thing tried to create a republic in which they could be non non-colonialized by their own originators right which is kind of what we tried colonialized by their own originators. What do you mean by that? Well, so (laughs) yeah, please. Um, no, I, but the Greeks certainly inspired the creation of Rome, but the Italians at the time, we'll call them the Romans. They weren't yet. Didn't want to be Greece. They wanted to be something a little bit more evolved. Just like we didn't want to be right. I mean, that, that's the thing about the Roman Empire is they weren't satisfied with, um, you know, with sitting on their hands. They wanted power. They wanted to expand. And, you know, and I think that, you know, by the time they did become the Roman Republic, they were, you know, they had this massive empire. They created this system of roads that, you know, hadn't been created before. Um, but-, but it was so slow initially. It was so slow. What the creation of of their infrastructure? Of, no, of, of Rome. I mean, you think back, right? right? So we Are go back saying, to. You're not telling me it wasn't built in a day. It was not built in a day. Very, very well said. Very nice. Never heard that. Never heard that before. Never heard um, that. But but it was very it was a very slow process. Right. It, whether or not Romulus and, and Remus uh, of showed up and had some wolf naps or not, Rome itself was not created for about four or 500 years. I mean, the, the originators came at the very tail end of, of Hellenistic society, right? So the Greek empire itself separated into the Ptolemaic, which was like Egyptian to a degree. And then even more so, there was a lot of, of the remainders of Greece in places like Syria, Libya, everywhere else. And then the rest of them fled to Rome. And most of the people who fled to Rome were actually from Thebes, Sparta, and uh, a little bit from, not, not Athens. What's the one I'm missing here? I don't know. I'm, I'm missing a Greek city state that, that fled to Rome. 
But I, I think you make an interesting point, an interesting comparison. Again, you know, looking at the American experiment and comparing it to Rome, you know, originally as the Roman Republic was was consolidated, there were many cultures, right? And so there was this idea of a melting pot. There was this idea of a unified culture built around a nationalistic theme. And, you know, looking at America in the 1950s, we very much had that, even though there was, you know, a, an enormous amount of racism and xenophobia, at the same time, we were, you know, we had Italians and Irish, and, and there are all of these different immigrants coming to the United States and creating this, um, you know, vast cultural uh, integration that ultimately led, I mean, my, my grandparents, her grandparents, you know, they all fought in World War II. They all believed in the United States of America. They believed in the promise. They believed in the experiment. And here we are in 2020, and that nationalism has, has very much dissipated. And, you know, as a, you know, I, I was a, uh, a, a hippie. I, I did my hiking, and I had the dreadlocks, and I was like, nationalism is 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 something that is, you know, it's bullshit and this and that. And now I'm looking back and going, shit, like we need something that connects us. If we don't have an ideology that connects us, then what's going to begin to happen? And you look at Rome and the exact same thing happened to Rome. As we, they lost our identity. They lost their identity. And these barbarians started coming in and attacking. And, and eventually the Huns, you know, pushed the barbarians. And then so Rome finally accepted the barbarians, but they treated them like shit as second class citizens. And then now you have this internal, uh, you know, uh, uh, identity politics that begin to uh, deteriorate the, the community well, of the nation. You're getting a little ahead of us here, Mike, because I think more, I think the big step between the two is the difference between the Republic and the Empire, right? So I, I, I like 1950. I think that's great. Um, Eisenhower is definitely an excellent person to point to, and especially if we go back to taxation, because it was like 80% for the uber wealthy back then. But the big thing to look at then is for the, the main reason that the Republic became the empire was that the individuals who were leading, not just the senators. The empire, the empire became the Republic? No, no, Republic became the empire. Okay. So the main reason the Republic became the empire was that the people got disenfranchised. The Senate became so obsessed with celebrity right. and, 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 you know, appearance and everything else that they actually gave up trying to rule. And that's where we get to Julius Caesar and his murder by Brutus and Cassius. And then Caesar's or yeah. And then Augustus, Octavius, right. so, Augustus. So you're saying, so you're saying it, it became a cult of personality Oh, what a good term. What a good term. <laughs> so here we are in America, and, and this is what both of you have been talking about. You, know, you bring up Tom Hanks, you bring up celebrity. And so now we're in this position where we're, you know, we're voting in people based on celebrity uh, and fame as opposed to their ability to do a good job and lead. And or, or even their credentials, or even their credentials, right? What do you mean? So... It, it, Somebody wrote a paper a few years back about the evolution of Bond villains. And if you look at the James Bond movies, 
when they started out, the bad guys were Russians and Chinese, Soviets and Chinese. Right. And then they moved along into this person that, and just not just James Bond, but movies in general. Right. Sure. Who, and, who's the good enemy to write? Right. So if you look at the recent Bond movies, the the bad or, or movies in general, the bad guys are these these Martin Shkreli kind of techno geek billionaire reclusive nutbags. Mm-hmm. But if you look at if you look at the United States, and let's just start in remember the main. Let's just start in 1900. Okay, if you picked any person on the street that read the newspaper and everybody read the newspaper and just said, who's the enemy? Who is the enemy of the United States? Every 10 or 15 or 20 years, it might change a little bit, but everybody knew who the enemy was. And and it was the Russians, the Chinese, the Japanese, the Germans, the the Soviets, uh, ISIS, Al Qaeda, Osama bin Laden. Bang, 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 bang. We always the Vietnamese. We always knew. What happened after a while was two things happened. First, we started picking enemies that were in the in the country after Vietnam because it was a little less clear. Saddam Hussein was an enemy for an hour because we kicked his ass in twenty minutes during a commercial. But if you look, if you look, no, no, no comment, no comment. <laughs> well, but but if you look, if you look at at who, if you ask people on the street now, who is the enemy of the United States? I would venture a guess that a large part of the country, if they said, just tell me a a, a group of people, most Americans might tell you another group of Americans. The the red might tell you the blue, the blue would tell you the red. Very few people are going to tell you ISIS at this point. Now, ISIS is done, but but your point's well made. Your point's well made. Well, ISIS as as a caliphate or as a flag might be done. But see. but there's there's still people with with pressure cookers full of ball bearings and all this bullshit. But but if you say to people, even not just Americans, if you say to people in other countries, people like Hillary Clinton said, define me by my enemies. If you if you if you look at the the enemy of India is Pakistan, and and that's the rallying cry for every Indi- leader of India and every leader of Pakistan. Sure. And the same thing is for but. When, when it's really people, nice to have a border with an enemy because then you can keep the people focused. And it's real right. It's really nice to have a straw man. Exactly. But now, so now it becomes the, the 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 you know. So so going back to what you were just saying a minute ago, Brooks, about about power and the consolidation of power and what happens. The 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 inequality in America, the racism in America, whether it's in, whether it's manifests itself as inequality for genders or mistreatment of, of people of certain races, going back to immigrants, Irish, Italian, Polish, Dutch, whatever, blacks, women, Jews, gays, trans, it doesn't matter. What, what, what you're talking about is there's a group of people that have power, money, whatever, that have, have it, whatever that it is. Mm-hmm. And they don't mind giving you out a little piece of something that you actually think is a part of the puzzle, but don't you dare come fucking near the real, the real, the real thing. <laughs> Because if you really, you know, we're about to have a woman of color as the vice president. There's a lot of people that equate that with basically Armageddon. Well, okay? keep in mind, though, that it's OK to have a black man as long as there's not a woman in power. You know, I've, I've written this on social yes. media many times. Like, like, you know, somebody will say, well, do you realize that Betsy DeVos hasn't done anything in, you know, whatever, blah, 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 four years of education. And my response online, I always write is, was he really that black? Like, like he's, I always say, was Barack Obama that black? Like he, you would think he was Desmond Tutu black. 
Like Barack okay. Obama. Okay. Listen, your name dropping is killing me here. Desmond Tutu <laughs> is an excellent one, and Martin Sher Kelly is as well. But even even worse, even worse than than all of that is that you're right. That's what sucks about this whole thing, Jason, is that ultimately you would think that we literally let's go back to ISIS, that we handpicked some individuals from the Levant and brought them here and put them in office just to piss off everyone else. Because that's how they act. That's how they act. That's right. That's correct. You know, you and 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 there's um here's the worst part of to me. Here's the worst part about this entire Fakakta equation. That many people have won the Nobel Prize in economics and finance putting forth the theory that, and this is why conservatives and free market conservatives, I agree with so much, is that the free market, when it's only regulated to keep out the egregious, terrible offenses of abuse, the free market helps everybody. And eventually, you know, eventually when the, like Bernie Sanders always says, like the top 1% has more money than the bottom 99% or whatever the case may be. Sure. Eventually, when when people are paying a trillion Reichsmarks for an egg, eventually shit goes down, and oh, yeah. and, and it, you you know it's it's you squeeze it until it breaks. And if you say you know what, like people talk about raising the minimum wage, I can't believe. I mean, if you think about it, fifteen dollars an hour, even if it was fifteen dollars an hour, which they treat the you know, right wing people act like $15 an hour is like handing out lottery tickets. Right. Okay. You know, in the United States, $15 an hour is $30,000 a year. It's not great. What, tell me what city in the United States with a population of more than 50, you can live in for $30,000 a year. Actually, strange, strangely enough, there's a sweet little city called Orlando that you could live in for 30, if you, if you needed to. That if being said, that being, to. Yeah, but that being said, I'm with you. But at the same time, keep in mind this goes back to the to the fallacy that was created by the by Reaganomics and trickle down economics in the first place. A rising tide does not raise all raise all ships, and whether that's from the top or the bottom, right? And I think I think a proper free market economy, you know, goes after it's an antitrust, uh, you know, oh, right. that's a good point too. That's yeah. a good point too. You bust up, like you allow the free market to work and then you bust up the abusers, um, and the big trust and the big monopolies and you bust them up. We don't do that. Reagan didn't do that. And I think the idea that allowing these conglomerates to gain all this massive power was somehow going to trickle down to people. And it simply does not. Well, the- Mike, I mean, when was the last time that we actually engaged the Sherman Antitrust Act? Was it fucking Microsoft and it didn't even get passed? Yeah. AT&T. Oh, AT&T. AT&T Comcast or whatever so, it was. So my... Or, uh, Time um, Warner, sorry. I only have one president. I only have one president's picture hanging up in my in my office here. And he's the only guy other than George Washington who did it out of duty and Abraham Lincoln who did it out of necessity. The only president we ever had, I believe, that had an actual, real, identifiable, tangible, big brass set of balls was Teddy Roosevelt. And (laughs) and he ran away. (laughs) That's it. We lost him. Um, But but the 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 thing the thing about Teddy Roosevelt was I was was hoping you were going to say that, and I can't even find his picture, but I have it too. 
And Roosevelt, <laughs> Teddy Roosevelt was a, you, please continue. Ted, Teddy, and, and the thing about, and I'm not romanticizing, I'm not the guy hero worship or anything, I'm just saying, Teddy Roosevelt was the last guy, maybe Harry Truman, arguably, and maybe even Linda Johnson, arguably, but basically people that laid down on the third rail of whatever was going on at their times and said, people talk about Barack Obama endorsing same-sex marriage, like like he was, he, he, really, so you took this 70-30 issue and you got on the board of the set. That's <laughs> terrific. <laughs> Great job. Okay. He, he, he did, Barack Obama did what the people wanted. Right. And, and by the way, that's Okay. But but this you know Lyndon Johnson ended his career and ruined his party with the Civil Rights Act and goddamn well he did right. because he did what had to be done and you know what um, speaking of LBJ you know one of his favorite moves ever was to literally corner senators and whip his dick out right and that and and they frown on that now. Apparently. Um, <laughs> apparently, apparently, it's like a hashtag me too. And, and by the way, like that, by the way, and Mitch McConnell would do that if he had one. He if would he do that dick, too. If he had a dick, if yeah, he had right. one, he would do that too. And, and by the way, Lindsey Graham would be only too happy to be on the receiving end. <laughs> um, but but yeah, I think I think that the I think that the 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 consolidation i think bernie sanders calls it the wealth the wealth gap or the wealth extreme wealth inequality whatever he calls it i i think that when people these days talk about like cryptocurrency whatever people say well bitcoin isn't real currency whatever i'm like what is what what, what even nothing, matters nothing, like, nothing is right. no it's all but you know we go back to rome i mean it was wheat and and you know cattle actually slaves was a huge thing just like uh, early america right you know so so currency is whatever you deem it to be but one of the things that I think is very, very important for all of us to be cognizant of that goes back to Rome, and, and you actually kind of said this before, Jason, was that our, our global presence will start to we'll – hit, we'll hit the spread. Like, we're getting to the point where we're spending so much money to stay being the America that everyone sees us to be that we will turn into Rome potentially. You know, when you talk about spending more and more money just to maintain a facade, the only name that comes to mind is my good friend, Bernie Madoff. And, <laughs> and when you, and, and his, he would still be living in his penthouse and he'd still be having all of his clients, but eventually he ran out of ways to pay person A with, with person B. And, and it's, I'm talking about the triumph over of style over substance. The market cap of Google, the actual market cap of Google is over a trillion dollars. Can somebody tell me what the assets of Google are other than a few desks and a laptop? Right. And, and it's data. I mean, that's everyone's what, personal information. Yeah, it, 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 well, it is data. And the only reason that data is valuable is because it's valuable to people who are who need to sell a product to those people, which is and, everyone, though. Right now. What's that? Which is everyone right now. Which is everyone as in like the businesses? I mean, you know, uh, most people. Yeah, everyone. The, the majority. Well, we are the product. We are we are what is being consumed, sold and, and traded. That's absolutely you know, correct. You know, when we came off the gold standard, people acted like like the president wanted to put our <laughs> people wanted to put our full faith and credit in cinnamon toast crunch. 
which which I, by the way, I wouldn't be necessarily against that. But he, you know, the president better than Pez. Better than yeah. Pez. Well, the, uh, Pez. Oh, I love Pez. Uh, yeah, that's a. I got. I got. That, Pez that was a Y two K. That was a Y two K joke. When, but but the president was just saying, look, I have I have so much faith in the full faith and credit of American industry of steel and iron and coal and this and that. We don't need to have gold be our only species of value because there's so much else. Well, sure. now. Once you cast that adrift to the open water, now we don't have anything of species. We don't have any, it doesn't matter. Our biggest value, like you said, is information and data. What does that even mean? I mean, I know what it means, but I'm being facetious. Like it's, it's the most, if, if the, if the value of any commodity is how much the next person is willing to pay for it, that's a very dangerous paradigm to set up when you're talking about information. Well, and, yeah, that's sure. and, and you're, and you're and, better off with Bitcoin, right? I mean, sorry, Mike, go ahead. No, that's okay. Um, you know, that's why I think this whole thing is built upon a house of cards, right? Because eventually, like, where does the buck stop? Like, eventually, somebody is not going to have the money to be the consumer. Even though you've got my data, I may not be able to buy anything. And so that's why we're in this weird place where, you know, the government can continue to print money. And, you know, it's just being passed around as if there's some sort of inherent value. And there isn't. So, you know, I almost wonder if we're going to hit this point where, you know, like, as you were saying earlier, Jason, like, we're just like, well, it just keep, it seems to be working out. It seems to continue to work out. And, you know, we're all, we're all just kind of passing around this idea that there's value in everything we do at some point, either a, like there just isn't value in the, in the, the consumeristic society that we have, or B like, Everybody just gets over it and just says, you know what? We'll just keep doing it. I mean, well, that's that's the tell the Chinese to go fuck themselves thing, right? Because yeah. well, do you, and, and in all fairness, sorry, Kristen, go ahead, please. No, I was just going to say, is there like a, an opportunity? Like, is there a space where we're going to develop like an amazing innovation, discover a new? Uh, there's there's a few on the horizon. There's a right. few on the horizon. Well, and I think I think that's what's I, literally I think that's what's keeping us afloat is this idea that we're going to figure out how to create the replicator. Like we're going to right. eliminate scarcity at some point with technology. And I think that's what all of these investment systems are banking on in this unseen future innovation. And you we know have the, the Chinese just announced that they are going to release climate manipulation. Like they've been doing well, a cloud seeding thing for a while, but now they think they have it figured yeah, out. You know, but we've done that for <laughs> we've done that for a bit. But keep in mind, though, that so so here's the thing, and this actually goes back to what Jason was saying earlier. Um, first off, the enemy is the Chinese, and I don't mean to bring this back to like some Red Dawn stuff, but they're they are far and away our economic opposition. Would you say competition or enemy? Oh, enemy. Competition's a positive or, or, thing. Or co-conspirator. No, no, no. no Enabler. Yeah, no, not, not neither that either. Because competition's a positive thing. Competition breeds production. You must not be a Jet fan. <laughs> uh, that being said, though, that being, that being said, China not only has it out for us, but they, we have put them in a position where they will outproduce us in the next 15 years. If we don't do something about it. I hate to say this when we're talking just, about people though, because it's, it's, 
believe in government. It's our government. You know, that's that's a good point, too, Christian. Yeah, that's a good point, too. Just remember what I'm sorry to interrupt you, Bruce. Just remember what you just said about the Chinese. I'm not disagreeing. But what you just said about the Chinese, as far as their might to produce and industrial and everything else, that was what was being said about us in 1950. Yes, you're absolutely right. And, and, no, and if you're and if you're a free market guy, you say, you know what? If you if you have it, you have at it. You know. Well, okay. So 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 two responses to that. First being, I, the biggest issue though is that, like you were saying, Kristen, it's it's definitely not the Chinese people. The leadership there is absolutely investing in production that will hamper us. And us, I mean, America, you're being very kind. You're being very kind. Uh, I know. I know. Cripple. I'm trying. I'm, I'm try- Cripple. Cripple's correct. Thank you. Uh, I will continue to try to be as kind as I can. Uh, I tend to be a little crass. Sometimes. You know, this is 2020, right? Okay, fine. So these motherfuckers is <laughs> trying to ruin us. Let me let me say one let me say one thing to that. I'm gonna I'm gonna push that back a little bit. Um, I think that the Chinese value us for two important reasons. Number one, we're consumers. We're consumers, and number two, they like the interest that their lending generates through us. And so, if we be if we are crippled, they lose their number one uh, consumer base, and they lose their number one um, you know interest generating. Uh, portfolio asset. Well, it's now, a good point, but that's the that, short game. That being said, they are mobilizing in Asia. Their banking systems are mobilizing across Asia and they're owning, not politically, but financially, they're owning all of these smaller economies and all of these economies are com- becoming indebted to them. So there's this pseudo consolidation of, uh, you know, these countries uh, falling into, um, you I, know, I remember hearing about that. It's been a couple of years, but I remember it's, like, it's, emerging it's very true. Like setting up. It's like, yeah, yeah. Get out of this crippling debt that they owe China. But yeah, so, say Mike, but don't say Asia, say China, because South Korea, Japan, Vietnam, oh, yeah, Singapore, yeah. Indonesia, they're not doing that. It's fucking China. That's doing it. That's what I'm saying. Oh, don't forget, don't yes. forget Bhutan. Everybody always forgets Bhutan. Don't forget Bhutan. Don't forget Ghana. And Nepal and, you know, Myanmar. Was it called Viva, Burma? Viva Nepal. Right. But the, uh, the I, sorry to interrupt, Mike. I, I, Brooks just used the phrase short game. And I want to I throw this point out because it's been on my mind a lot. China doesn't play the short game. Never. And, yeah, at least not for the past 10,000 years. And here's... And China understands the long game and, and people could talk about innovation and mining the moon and harvesting the, the Saturn's rings and all this other nonsense. The future of America, just like America, if it was saved a few weeks ago, to the extent that it may have been, was saved by the, the people that it has treated the worst, women, blacks and blah, blah, blah. The future of planet Earth, if it's going to be saved, is and the Chinese understand this. And this is why. The, the, all of the moves of any consequence that China is making now are all happening in Africa. And my belief is that if, if we had been smart and we're not, or at least we haven't acted like it, 50 years ago and planted a flag instead of, instead of draining every last piece of ore out of that continent. We would have invested in it. 
it, it Africa and South America too, not just not just, but mainly Africa, and brought. You know, you're talking about what three out of every ten people in the in the world don't have water, and five don't have power. If we had went there and we had found ways to to bring crops and irrigation and rotation and education, we it, not just us. Forget the United States for a second. The entire world would be on such a higher standard of living. The world, the developed world would have but, been all of us yeah but now it's it, uh, you know we killed the goose and the chinese the chinese realize that instead of fighting with each other over the last person at the dollar general in the united states to buy some little streamers for their for their holiday party they know that the future is in the people of africa well it we, is but Go ahead, sir. So I was going to say building a power plant. And they're not, they're not, by the way, they're not sending, when, when the Chinese are going to Africa now, they're not sending their, their, their little trinkets and bullshit like they're sending to the stupid Americans. They're building power plants. They're yeah. building roads. But they're their roads and they're their power plants. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so, so twofold, one of which is, yes. I think that's uh, if we had done that 50 years ago and we should have. And, and we go back to uh, and I think, Mike, it was you who were talking about earlier, the end of um, the end of scarcity, which is something we've discussed before. But there's enough food in this fucking planet to feed everybody. There's no doubt about that. It's the logistics and the cost of logistics to make it happen. Right. That being said. China was there before Rome clearly still there after Rome. And as long as we want to have a, a true future, that isn't just hoping that we get a moon station somewhere, you know, and, and one of the good parts of uh, what was the, um, uh, the Netflix show about um, with, uh, it wasn't Steve Carell. Who it was it? Steve Carell. Which show? The one where they went to the moon space force. Oh, space force. Yes. Steve Carell. <laughs> So Space Force. I the end. I don't think we saw the last episode actually. Oh, uh, so well the the ninth episode, I think it's ten. I think the ninth episode is the best one. And she instead of saying she's back on the moon, she says I'm black on the moon. And it was pretty funny. Um but Space Force is our future. The Chinese will out invest us in technology if we do not change something now. You know, um, uh, when they when people talk about the blocking and tackling of anything, the 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 analogy is you know the reference is supposed to be that it's about the fundamentals and blah blah blah. Well, Brooks, your point was that the Chinese were there before the Romans, they're there after the Romans. So I, I'm trying to I'm, I'm trying to think of how that resonated in my analogy brain and my 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 the way I think about it is this: there have been about sixty uh, what sixty Super Bowls ish, something like that. Okay, about. and and about about fifty nine of them, probably sixty of them, were won by teams with good offensive and defensive lines. They controlled the line of scrimmage, and they were able to run, control the clock, and blah blah blah. Okay. If you look throughout the history of football, you have all these innovations, right? You got the run and shoot, and you got the red gun, and you got all this bullshit. Okay. They're all great, and they make great headlines. And oh my God, you get on the cover of a Wheaties box, and you break all the records, and blah blah blah. The fact is, we, the United States, are really close to being in danger of being the run and shoot of, of countries in, in world history. 
And let me we, give you. We are. Answer. We are, my friend. We yeah. are. Well, I, I'm trying. To, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a patriot, so I'm trying not to be so. You know, put put a, a bullet in my head. But if you, let me let me tell you my other my other way. You know that, and I, I I'm I'm gonna make people laugh. I know that, and and that's nice. Let me tell you our problem yeah, right now. You need distraction. <laughs> our problem is fucking Oreo cookies, and let me tell you why. Okay. They're going to because they're delicious. You know. I know. Because the the classic Oreo is delicious, but the double so, stuff. Okay, you know what? When they made double stuff, I was like, that makes sense because you like the middle and everybody likes it. I see where you're going with this. Yes, you do. And now when I see you know uh, you know chai latte flavored Oreos, <laughs> I'm like, God damn it, you went too far. Okay. Oh, I I, I, yeah, I can't. So, wait. We are in danger of being the chai latte Oreos of, of human of world history. Well, we've done it, right? And that's the issue. And we go back to let's go back to Karl Marx, right? Marx and Engels wrote the Communist Manifesto in God, what was it? The early no, it was in the fifties, the thirties. Before that, I think nineteen. I was thinking of thirty-one, thirty-two. Mike, can you check that for me? I'm going to call Ted Cruz and ask him. <laughs> Um, when Marx had to respond to his publication of the Communist Manifesto, he said that communism is not a replacement for democracy. It is the end result of democracy. Or, sorry, not democracy, capitalism. Right. And and, and Karl Marx also said in that publication, from each according to his ability to each according to his needs. And do you know whose favorite, whose favorite saying that would have been Benjamin Franklin, Benjamin Franklin would have loved that. And so would have, would have Alexander Hamilton and so would have other people. All of our founding fathers. Yeah. But now, but now it's like, well, you know, now the theory is if you don't have a job, it must be because you're lazy. If you don't have this, blah, blah, blah. And we, we keep coming back. We took this good theory, this Madisonian, Hamiltonian theory of balance, of balance, of a time and a place for everything, and we ended up with chai latte fucking Oreos because, <laughs> because we keep, you know, you put your foot to the floor until the engine blows, and then you're like, gee, I wonder how that happened. Well, that's the thing. You're absolutely right. So you can only redline it for so long, and once and, you get to that point, you become a communist. I mean, and and that's, 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 Jason, don't ever go on <laughs> and, and let me tell you and let me tell you one last thing about if I'm going to over romanticize the future of the earth being in Africa I'm going to tell you one last thing about it from my point of view is the backslide to all of this started all of this started with the third rail the silver bullet whatever you want to call it is a country that devalues intellect as much as ours has in the past 50 years devalues intellect again and again this is where you wind up i feel like when we were growing up it was so very devalued for young people but i think in this generation like my kids and young people right now are actually regaining an appreciation for intelligence i I think i think you're very right i remember when i was growing up and einstein was an insult Right. And it's like, right. oh, who's this Einstein? And yeah, I'm starting to see that come back with with our kids. And, and maybe, you know, there's there's, you know, we're 
the the four of us are pretty old, you guys. I don't know if you. If <laughs> I mean, I'm not. I'm not. I'm a baby. So. If you've taken a moment to take to to look in the camera here, we're all we're all pretty old, and I think there's. Um, you know, I think there's things bubbling up from the youth that, you know, are, are going to be important for us to, uh, to be aware of because they're, they're looking at our society and they're going, what the fuck? And, you know, a lot of them are going, well, why can't we, you know, why, why can't it be each according to his need? And, you know, a lot of the, what they don't understand about that, and I think this is important to bring up as, as a counterpoint, um, uh, to what we were mentioning about Karl Marx is that when you actually do attempt to control the economic output of the state, that's when you have fucking, you know, granted, we've had toilet paper runs in this country, but I don't think anybody's really afraid the toilet paper's not coming back. In Venezuela, the toilet Our paper may not come back. Out of yeah. Sorry, Mike. Did you just say toilet paper runs? Was that a was that intentional? The, run, the, run, the runs. The runs. Okay, got it. Yeah. All right. I, yeah, absolutely. No pun intended, but I appreciate. Uh, you. Clearly, clearly, so. And I'm <laughs> the evil because I have a standing subscription for toilet paper with Amazon, so they just ship it regularly, and I never think about it. And Christian, and, and, I'm sorry that you're just the problem now. That makes you the problem. <laughs> We've got inventory, so if there is a uh, if, if there is a, a capitalist opportunity here, then we're all coming for you guys. Yeah, well, you know, Mike, you said that that calling people Einstein, and I remember that too, was an insult. You know, I haven't. It's been probably twenty years since I heard that used as an insult, and I'm afraid that the reason why might be that people don't even know who he was anymore. Oh, wait, hey, but that's hate. That's relative. Yeah, very nice. Very nice. Thanks. Uh, but that being said, you know, I grew up in the, the very tail end of that, I would say. I am a little bit younger than you guys, but coming from the uh, late 80s, early 90s, uh, it was hard to be like the smart kid. Right. It was. It was. But I will say that I think, uh, as, you, as you both were saying, Christian and Mike, that that idea of um, not valuing intellectualism here in the United States I think that that was the tail end of the boomer generation and not to oh, push it. Was. It. I, it was. It's, it's lingering a bit. Like I had to have the conversation with my daughter this week about your kids are so freaking smart though. All of them are. No, but so th this is the thing. She wanted to go to public school because she expected it to be one way. And all of the girls on the soccer team, we were hoping would be like serious athletes, but they're fucking idiots. And they're fucking mean to her. And I was like, okay, you're going to have to make a decision. You're either going to have to go along with them and pretend to be as stupid as they are, or you're going to have to deal with their hatred because it's one or the other. No, no, there's a third answer, Christian. I played, I played football at a Popka high school. And you be more mean is the solution. Mm. And because she's far more intelligent than they are, she can mean girls the shit out of them. Oh, that's a dangerous. So, so <laughs> he just made it me. He made a mean girls reference. So at least I should say the name Regina George, since we're talking about Karl Marx and Albert Einstein. We might as well, you know, tell your daughter if you have to be a Katie or a Regina, you're going to want to be a Regina because you always going to want to be a Regina. Right. Okay. That that's at least fair. completely outside of this. Mean girls, Lindsay Lohan. Okay. <laughs> Mike, well, you gotta watch Mean Girls. Listen, well, uh, as a as a as a as a conservative 
uh, what, what are all the other slang terms I can call myself? Um, basic, fuck boy, whatever else they got now. Uh, you said a popka. A pop popka. Yeah, there we go. You know, no, I'm I'm a blue collar. I know my collar's pink right now. Blue collar, fuck boy. Go watch Mean Girls. It's great. Well, I'll, I will tell you from my point of view as far as the education goes. I also have a really big problem with the romantic romanticization of, of the fact of the fact that Steve Jobs and Bill Gates dropped and, out of dropped out of college because you know here's does anybody know who Ronald McNair? Do anybody know that name? That sounds familiar. Ronald McNair was sitting next to Judith Resnick when the space shuttle Challenger blew up and killed them both. Mm. At the time that they died. They had the highest two IQs in recorded history of human beings. And they both died on that space shuttle. Now, here's my problem. Not only does no, and it's trivia. I understand. I don't expect, you know, Ronald McNair or Judy Resnick to be on the $10 bill. That's great, though. That's that's great. But but here's the problem. Everybody romanticizes the fact that so-and-so. Because he's a trivia host. And so, like, he he just made a note that he's going to be making a trivia question on that one. Well, well, you know, if we talk about if we talk about our heroes and heroes are important right back to the founding of the United States, whether it's Johnny Appleseed or, or Paul Bunyan or Harriet Tubman or Frederick Douglass. We, it's important because heroes are like North Stars. That's how we set our compass a lot of times. Right. And we're romanticizing the wrong people for That's the true. wrong reasons. Can somebody tell me where Anthony Fauci went to medical school? Because he's. How about whoever invented this vaccine? By the way, people thought the vaccine, 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 right? I guarantee you, I guarantee you that whoever it is that invented that vaccine, whatever one, two, five, ten scientists, you'll never know their names because they're not Kardashians and they can't sing. Thank you for bringing Kardashians back. I'm watching CNN. I still have questions about whether or not it could actually be considered a vaccine because it's you explain. You'll explain it better than me. No, I'm just. Oh, I'm just saying innovation. Like you, the, the word innovation was mentioned, and I'm just saying, what about you, you know whoever, even computers, even even TikTok, even something as stupid as that. It, okay, it's a cool thing and it's neat. I'm I'm curious who invented it. I'm I'm curious about who the innovators are because at least even if it's entertainment, at least it's substance. It's a distraction. Well, but the guy who programmed it, I know the guy who programmed oh, yeah, it, the girl yeah. who programmed the, the girl who it's programmed it. freaking genius, I'm sure. Right. And that's, I, I want to know, I want to know who the smart, like, just like the people, people always say, oh, you know, uh, Ben Roethlisberger is not a hero. So-and-so is a soldier in Afghanistan. He's a hero. I get the sentiment. Okay. But here's my point. Instead of saying that it's a zero-sum game and that we, we can only value one set of behavior, one set of this, right. one set of that, Let I don't want to discount the Kardashians and I don't want to discount you know, the guy who invented EDM. They're okay. There's a place for entertainment. I like Charlie Chaplin as much as the next guy. But the thing is... We're missing these whole areas. We're missing, cool. you know. Definitely, definitely. And keep in mind that Charlie Chaplin's just Hitler in a hat. And he was good at it. But that, he was great at it. Far better than, he was more funny than Hitler was, as far as I'm aware. That being said, uh, I think that. played Hitler brilliantly. Have you seen that? It's oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think it's called The Greatest Speech. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, Charlie Chaplin did a take on uh, Hitler, and he said, if if 
Hitler had said this, and it was this. Uh, I think you can look it up on YouTube. It's called The Greatest Speech by Charlie Chaplin, and it is the most beautiful. It will bring you to tears. Um, one of the most moving things I've ever seen. It's, it's always it's phenomenal to see a silent actor give a speech. You know, if you look at if you look at the poetry of the day or the arts and the music and the and and whatever, and you look at what people value today, people talk about television shows like All in the Family or Mash or 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 Hill Street Blues or The West Wing, and they say they absolutely could not get those shows made today. They absolutely couldn't get them on TV today. That's a really sad commentary. I think it's true, but it's really sad. You know, that's true. Why do you say that? Uh, because, uh, um, like Fast Eddie Felsen said, to Vince and Laurie and the color of money, well, checkers sells better than chess. Right. You know, if you look, if you look at okay, the- so, so, no, you're 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 absolutely right. It is but let's let's camp. let's break let's break that down. Queen's Gambit aside, let's break that down. Why does checkers sells better than? Why does checkers sell better than chess? Because the more majority it's of the population, learn. the majority of the population has a lower IQ. It's not even a, it's not a, it's not even IQ. It's attention. It's willingness to spend time being bad at something or anything. Right. Okay. So I'll give you an analogy. I have I have two good friends that are in the porn industry. Okay. Uh-huh. It's a husband and wife, and they operate several porn porn sites. Uh-huh. And uh, and the porn is just hard. She it's she, it's it's all hard. Okay, and they've made a ton of money and blah, blah, blah. And they've been doing it for, I don't know, 15 years, whatever it is. Anyway, when they first got into the business, they didn't know anything about the Internet. They didn't know anything about porn. They didn't know anything about anything. And they made their first video. And the husband is the editor. He's like the the mic part of the thing where he does the cutting and everything. And the first videos that he put up, he was charging $10 for a 10-minute video. And nobody was was buying it. They weren't making any money. Mm -hmm. And she said, the wife said... What are you, an idiot? 50? No. Charge $2 for a two-minute video. Right. Mm. Because nobody watches porn for 10 minutes. Right, 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 right. And and because she said, what what percentage of pornography is consumed by men? 99.999. Right. Okay. And and any male any male red blooded human being, if if somebody said to you, "Oh, I just watched a porn movie for twenty nine minutes," you'd be like, "What? Do you have to go to the doctor or something?" Okay, <laughs> and and that's America. Like John Mellencamp said, "Ain't that America?" Okay, we are. We watch NASCAR for the crashes. We watch football to see who's going to get carried off the field with a busted ACL. We and and it's five yards in a cloud of dust. People, if you ask people why don't they watch baseball, what do they always say? It sucks. It's boring. There's no action. There's no action. Oh, if you want action, go to South Chicago and watch people shoot each other. That's action. Well, okay. that hurts a little bit. I don't want to watch people. Well, I, I kind of want to watch people shoot each other. When I first saw the movie. Not real, not real people. Not real people, though, to be clear. When I first saw the movie The Running Man, I thought it was a ridiculous concept of how over-exaggerated over it was. Now I think they undershot the mark. Well, going back to this idea about how, you know, the Roman Empire, right? Because they're, they're, you know, the Colosseum, and these were all things that kept the masses distracted. And one and, could, and there, are, there are historians who will say that when Christianity came into, when, when Christianity was the national religion, when you could be put to death if you didn't believe in Christianity, 
um, that sparked the beginning of the Roman downfall because it led to the um, the disenfranchisement of the Colosseum. Like it was it, because it didn't match up with their Christian morals, which actually had an effect on taking away distraction from the masses. And so that led to that. Some historians say that could have led to, uh, you know, exacerbated the economic and and other issues that led to the downfall of Rome. Yeah, well, very much so. And then on top of that, though, you think about how many Christians they put to death in the arena. They did. It just becomes uh, a really, a really, really ironic turn for, for Rome. Because you go back and watch, like, Gladiator, no one's like, hey, listen, this Mary Magdalene, she's a whore. Let's kill her in the arena. Let's go right now. You know... You know, you you somebody referenced about about distractions a minute ago. It's distractions. What the whole thing was from then till now. So well, well, if you think about it this way, what percentage of people in the United States know who their congressman is? That's uh, not very good. I'm going to go with two. One point five percent. It's less than five percent. First. Okay. Now, now the problem with that is that even less than that, give a shit. So, so that's, that's where, that's the distraction. It becomes a lot easier to find the nice distraction when people don't care to begin with about what matters. Just like so, we said before, Jason, pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. As long as there's fireworks and glitter and boobies and whatever else we have and Mark Zuckerberg's there to make a, remind us that nothing really matters. Well, we and, won't and, give a shit. Yeah, and I think I think that's true, and but it goes back to Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? So Ooh. as long as you have food, shelter, you know these things, these are the things that allow us to be, you know, have the time and energy to be distracted. Without once once you get to three, so if I'm starving, I could care less about a Kardashian. But sure. as long as I have a full tummy, then I'm good to go. I I would equate the full tummy with good Wi-Fi. You, I'm being yeah, dead serious. Come on, come on. You know, you know that good Wi-Fi is meaningless without shelter and and a full tummy. It's meaningless. No, so, so, and you're and you're right, Mike. But to to Jason's point, I think it's a third tier, right? It goes basically survivorship. Mm-hmm. The second one is entertain. It's not even entertainment. It's basically like love and hugs. Third one is um, action. Pardon? The second one was connection. You said love. Connection, yeah, connection. Third one is basically like uh, Starbucks. Starbucks. It's your ability. It's your ability to work and produce. The fourth and the fifth are what most Americans don't even give a shit about anymore. What? Because the fifth being self actualization. That's been lost since. Uh, let's go back to Teddy. I, I think that's a good one. Oh, you mean because because there are more copies of Fifty Shades of Grey in circulation than the Bible? Is that what you mean? <laughs> well, yeah. Well, I mean, well, hold, hold on, hold on. Isn't Fifty Shades a sequel to the Bible? Uh, it's it's the chap it's last chapter, but it's oh, okay. Revelation yeah. six Re- Revelation, Revelation six nine six nine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I had to I had to slip that in there. Sorry. I like that. I like that. It's good. Yeah. No. Well, you, it's, it's a, um, it's, it's a, and also things are happening on an, such an accelerated plane now that, that if there is a trend towards dumbing down, it's, it's, it's 
happening at rocket speed. You know, and actually, uh, and actually, Jason, that brings back something I wanted to mention to you earlier. You were talking about the um, the debt of this nation, and you were talking about the difference between uh, thirty one point one trillion and thirty one point whatever the trillions were. People are really bad at numbers. Yes, like the average human being has no idea what a trillion. They can't conceptualize it. Right. It's. I think. I think as students, maybe a great portion of us get turned off. And I'm dyslexic, so math was always challenging. But then again, I worked for my family as a bookkeeper for like four years with no issues. I, I did quite well with that. It's just once I get into algebra, I got very discouraged. And so I never took the time to grasp larger numbers. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, I, I always studied, I, I was good at math, but I always loved history and politics. And I'm, I'm curious, I would ask this question when you're out and about the next few days, ask people that you meet, smart people, educated people, it could be anybody. I don't meet those. <laughs> well, besides you guys. So, so um, ask them to name, try to even come close to an approximate number. How many countries there are in the world? Just how many countries there are? Do you have the answer? Do you have the answer? Because well, I actually, guess. It, it, it's, it's, it, I guess as well. It also depends if you include this territory, that, or whatever, but just a ballpark number. I, I'm thinking just sovereign nations. I want to yep. hear Mike's guess. Actually, you want to both put it in the IM window and then we'll say it? Sure. Tell me when you've got it typed in. I got it typed in. All right. Well, we're going to both hit enter and see who's closest. Ready? Go. Okay. The number is is between 240 and 250. It's the the last I, I checked the other day. It's 246. Now again, now again, it's a bullshit number because there's there's little territories in there and trust sovereign territories, but that's fine. But if you the record that I picked 240. Okay, so I don't so see yours, Mike. Do you see mine? Oh, it's on the, it's on the main it's on the main comments section. Oh, oh, wait, on Facebook. Yeah. Okay, I put two sixty three. You put two forty. So, so if you, you include well, you if you include all the little the little Mickey knack places, it, it does go into the two sixties. But it, it really depends on you. Anyway, here's the reason I I, I mentioned it. Uh-huh. The other day, I, I I made a spreadsheet of every country in the world and its capital. Wait, 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 wait! You just said the other day I made a spreadsheet of. I, I want to know like how many people. Like, have done that. <laughs> well, in- including me, one. Uh, yeah, including so, me. <laughs> including me. Hey, I'm one. Spreadsheet of all the countries in the world. That's amazing. Go Why on. not? Why not? So I set out a task for myself. My tasks for the for 2021 are to memorize all the capitals and all the countries, mm-hmm. and to memorize and to rememorize the periodic table. Oh, nice. those now, are good. Those are good. Now, so there's, I, Jason, Jason, I will match you on that. Let's do it well, together. So there's two reasons why, and I'll, I'll take you up on that. There's two reasons why. I am old, and my mind is is going bad, and I want to and I want to keep it fresh, and I, I like to do exercises like that. Sure. And the second thing is, let me see if I can say this the way that John Keats said it. Fuck Google. Okay. <laughs> Look, I'm gonna I'm gonna, ch- I'm gonna check that one. Okay. <laughs> Now, because spot I don't want to, I, I don't want to. Well, he's Irish. I, I don't want to live in a world 
where Google is the only place, the only, the only source of information for anything. But things change so quickly, especially with, with geography, like you're talking about the capitalism stuff. Like I tried to order us a new Atlas this year. Do you know what it is like shopping for Atlases? (laughs) Yes, I do. Yeah. (laughs) I have a follow-up question. Who buys Atlases? Because Atlases are amazing. Like you start talking about it. Listen, I love maps. I, I'm a map nerd. But you like wanted an atlas. <laughs> when I was on exchange when I was a kid, I spent my free time drawing my own map of Europe. Okay, so I, I love maps. And, you, and, and Christian, you know that I'm the huge like Lord of the Rings nerd and all that fun stuff. So I love fantasy maps. I just love maps. They're beautiful. Uh, they're awesome. It's art. It's art. It is art. But, but real, real serious question, though. I can think of only two nations in the past, call it 10, let's go eight years that have changed. uh, Well, so the Czech Republic became Czechia and then South Sudan split from Sudan. Uh, Actually, Russia took over Crimea, so I quit. What about, uh, what is it, Tobago? Um, Trinidad and Tobago. Trinidad and Tobago. Yes, because they used to they used to be separate, but now they're t- now they're one country. Trinidad and Tobago. Oh, that was that was that was outside the eight year mark that I. Yeah, sure. I think on our last pod on the last podcast I was on, I think I mentioned that book by Tom Nichols called "The Death of Expertise." Mm. And if I, if I was going to write a book similarly to that, I would write "The Death of Giving a Shit." <laughs> and, and and you know, I, I'm, if I could turn the camera, you really should write that book. If if I could if I could turn the camera at my bookcase, I'm looking. I just turn to my left and I see "Goodbye Darkness" by William Manchester is sitting on the shelf right below the Encyclopedia of Beanie Babies. And 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 the below, re- yeah, you got to have a hierarchy like Maslow, right? Now now. <laughs> The, the reason the reason is because I am very interested in the life of General MacArthur, and I'm also interested in why the white chili polar bear is the most valuable beanie baby. White chili polar bear is correct. Oh, I thought it was that weird elephant thing. Yeah, Put my mom used to collect that. I thought it was peanut. Wasn't it peanut the elephant? Well, uh, chili the polar bear is the. Um, is the hardest one because it was made of pure white fabric and it was so hard to keep clean that in its resale value was always the less. So, um, uh, but anyway, but it's like, is that something that you want to know about because you think it will shed light on some other interesting topic? No, because he gives a shit. Let me, no, let me tell you why I'll tell you. It's a good question, Michael, and I'll be dead serious in my answer because I probably will meet somebody somewhere along the way that is interested in beanie babies. And, and I don't, I don't want to walk around being absolutely unable to relate to somebody in what is important to them. So if, if if somebody tells me a topic, if they're interested in everything from cooking to, to the study of igneous rock, I just don't want to know nothing. And and like uh, it was Aristotle, Socrates said, "The unexamined life, right, not worth living." I I don't. Uh, but the, the the what we live in a time now where people not only are not interested, they they aggressively fight. 
uh, you know, possessing to knowledge. Be, to be ignorant. To right. be ignorant. Okay. Correct. So perfect segue back to Rome. Just, just. I was, I yeah, out. I was thinking that. I was actually just thinking that. Uh, and Mike's got a beanie baby. I don't know what that is. It's a that's not holiday peppermint beanie baby. Uh, okay. I figured you'd have. Uh, was it uh, Jerry Garcia bear somewhere? Or a Bob Marley. And Jason's got one too. I'm excited to see. It's the official NYPD um, beanie baby. It's called Courage, and it's. Uh, oh, it's like from 9/11. Yeah, and the tag has the little NYPD logo in it. That's cool. He's got it on the shoulder too, right? Uh, it's a, a flag, an American flag. Oh, uh, okay. Um, all right. So, segue back. Here's what I got. So. The Romans at the tail end, at the tail end of not just their culture personality. Sorry, Brooks, I don't mean to interrupt you. We got about twenty minutes left, so Brooks, I, I appreciate you like bringing this back around. So, so hit us up. So, thanks, Mike. So, at the tail end of uh, the Romans, their own personal mythos, which was basically just Greek gods they renamed because they could, right? And then their own culture personality. I mean, talk about appropriation, right? Well, they literally, I mean, they were just basic. I mean, we appropriated most of the shit from Britain. For sure. We just took their flag and remade it. I mean, it's, it's kind of the same concept. Um, but that being said, yeah, so, so the Romans took Greek gods, renamed them for the most part. Some of them they came up with themselves. Yeah. Um, and then the big thing, though, is that once Christianity, so, so we kind of very swiftly said, hey, Constantine uh, decided we're all going to be Christian. Let's do it right now. Go. Right. Right. Uh, or uh, with, with penalty of death. Yes. Go on. Well, yes. But prior to that, there were, so keep in mind, we were at, well, oh, goodness, only, um, was it 200 something BC? It was 243 BC that Constantine decided to turn the uh, Roman empire Christian. Uh, I don't have it right down me. I, 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 I think that's, I know it was on a Wednesday. I just don't know what year it was. Totally fair. Totally fair. That being the case, there were several branches of Christianity at that point in time. One of the most um, prolific was Manichaean Gnosticism, which is one of the coolest, in my opinion, branches of Christianity. It's no longer there. But Gnosis being the Greek word for knowing. Yes. Knowing being uh, a little bit more deep than, hey, I know this stuff. It was to know the creator, the world, everything around it, right? Right. Manichaean Nas. It was almost the mysticism of Christianity. Like the Jewish uh, religion has the Kabbalah, um, the Gnostics uh, were more of a mystic. Uh, sure, sure. Yeah. And, and you're definitely right. But also keep in mind that all of this was early on. Like Christ died, his disciples came forth and spread what they knew and there was no real you mean the, ch the church didn't exist sorry Kristen go ahead no I was just being sacrilegious <laughs> well I want to hear it no I said that they wrote the bible but then oh you, god you, 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 you <laughs> no. bible. there's just random people yeah later <laughs> so so um the Manichaean Gnostics believed that the creator was actually the enemy. Mm, That's the interesting. Was no, not Satan. Not, not Satan. Uh, the creator was yeah. the enemy. We were created and our 
unlimited uh, infinite souls were put into static bodies that would die out of punishment. Okay. Right. Okay. okay. And then Yahweh, our you know the traditional Christian God, Christian uh, monotheism, yeah. Yes, the uh, the God of Abraham, if you will, right, was not the creator, but was the savior. Hmm. Because oh, interesting. Okay, so so basically, there was this infinite, uh, uncaring, unknowing, uh, neutral being that just de- who was really really sick. And then and then so there was the 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 most positive highest level hierarchy of God was the was the savior and that is Yahweh. So there is this world beyond uh this good God. Is that what is that what they believe? that yeah absolutely and so so the as you said the like top level right that that individual was really sick of hearing our immortal souls being around him and got rid of us by encapsulating us in mortal bodies. This plays into Rome because of a couple of things. When Rome, when so between Constantine and Diocletian, when Rome split east and west, they were disagreeing about which branch of Christianity to be part of. And by the way, so let me let me pull that forward to the United States and the American experiment, um, because a lot of our founding fathers were extremely uh, tuned into Roman. Uh, Roman history, uh, people compared George Washington to Cincinnatus, and they still do to this day. Um, they knew that the, that the schisms of the Roman Empire that were created by religion, religious factionism and, and, and the conflict that arose from it, and, and the fact that the, all these roads and bridges and everything were deteriorating and crumbling and collapsing while people are arguing over which statue to pray to. Right. The founding father said, here's an idea. Do whatever the hell you want. Right. We, 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 we will have no, no part. Again, the balance. The only way to have balance in religion is either to have all of them or none of them. Which is why you, you want to you want to be a Scientologist. You want to rub herbs into your fucking belly. Knock yourself out. Doesn't make a difference. Okay. But what we what the problem is now in the United States, going back to Rome, what's collapsing our roads and our bridges because we're too busy figuring out whether it's the religion of the right or the religion of the left or the really or or you know are we a Christian nation? It doesn't matter if you're a Christian nation if the bridge that you're driving over collapses and you fall into the fucking ocean. Right. But you know what the really easy way to make sure that the infrastructure gets paid for is, right, Jason? Yeah, tax the churches. Tax the churches. Right. <laughs> right. Right. And, and, and by the way, well, it's like I said, the only way that it's like King Solomon, the only way I can know to be sure that I'm being equitable to everybody is, is to, to be, be equal. equally right. So I'm I'm not taxing your church. I'm taxing that building over there. Because if I took a church tomorrow that is not taxed and the church leaves and I turn that building into a dollar general, that building will start generating tax revenue. And that is not fair to Dollar General because they didn't they, they weren't smart enough. They weren't smart enough to have a religion. They, well, you and, know, and, and, and I mean Robert, honestly Ron Hubbard, the creator of Scientology, literally said those words. If you want to make real money in America, start a religion. 
We did. Right. It's called Cocktails and Calamity, baby. <laughs> yeah. Are we tax free? We are not. Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> hey, I'm ordained. Oh, that's there you go. Um, all right, help so let's, let, let's do a round of final thoughts. Um, who wants to go first? Uh, Jason, you, you're on the pedal. So uh, give us give us your final thought on to what extent, uh, you know, the, the current American experiment is can be related to to Rome. And if you think we're headed down the same path of falling. So I think it's it's very easy to make the comparison because of the, all of the things we talked about and it's been so many great ideas from everybody but the 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 common thread of being distracted by things that don't really don't really promote the general welfare and and that resulting in the general welfare mutating into extreme uh self-interest which is just never good for anybody and, and that's that's where Rome was headed and that's where we're headed I think the only big difference between us and Rome is that our self-interest has not only decayed our political and social fabric, but it's also destroyed our, our eco-biological uh, 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 habitat to the point where it wouldn't even matter if we got our shit together because we're all dead because we won't have air to breathe. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, and by the way, and, and, and even as the water is coming up over the band playing on the deck people will still be when miami is completely underwater people will still be telling you that this is some you know fakakta scheme that was concocted by uh you know whatever right you yeah. know that right you know like, yeah. it floods like completely yeah right. well, it, it was it was hillary in the emails uh, come right. on hey was it was it was he that black uh, Brooks, same question to you. Are um, you on the Roman fall, or do you see hope? Well, I mean, there's always hope, right? Um, and and my my biggest hope, uh, and we'll get we'll get a little down in the weeds here. My biggest hope is that our deeply embedded intrinsic xenophobia will still allow us to try to outcompete China, which we won't do, but we might get off this fucking planet as an attempt. Thank you, Star Force. Thank you, Steve Carell. I mean, you know, the best opportunity we have is, I guess, competition. I mean, that's what we've done well. We compete against ourselves. We kill more Americans than any other war could, right? Uh, Follow-up question, though, for, for all four or three of you and myself. Um, and actually, comparison first, my final thought is, one of the biggest issues with Rome moving from the Republic to the empire was that emperors can be great or emperors can be terrible. Uh, we just had a, a fella who I think thought he was an emperor. Not sure he can read. Um, but, cer- but, but certainly wanted to be. That being said, uh, to go back to the comparison personally, Marcus Aurelius and George Washington are two of the only people who have ever been given the opportunity to stay in an office ruling a nation that will be or is stronger than the rest of the world and left. Mm-hmm. That to me Either is way. a quality that is unparalleled amongst human beings. Right. Good dude. It was a good dude. Yeah. They're both good dudes. I think so. But then we got some terrible ones, right? Like Nero. Was it he 
played the violin while he watched the world burn. Excellent bowler, though. Um, Kristen, any final thoughts uh, on Rome and whether or not we are going down that uh, disastrous fall? Yes. <laughs> please, well please said. just, please well just leave it at that. Please well just leave it said. <laughs> Calvin Coolidge in the house. <laughs> was that it? Is that, 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 that was, okay. All right. Uh, let me. I'll do. We I'll should do. all just take a minute to think about that. Yeah, that was fucking deep, Kristen. I appreciate that. Um, uh, yeah, no, I, I, I guess my final thought is that we have entered a time where distrust for the political process has never been higher. I think that's where uh, Rome was at the time, and there are an enormous amount of, you know, comparisons. Uh, you know, the deteriorating infrastructure, the the dwindling middle class, the um, you know, the rich receding into their own barricades. I think those, all those things, um, have, have a great deal, uh, of, of, uh, similarities. Um, I think for me, uh, I think one of the reasons I'm hopeful is because we don't have that, this sort of geographical, um, conundrum that Rome had, you know, we don't have all of these barbarians trying to hack into our borders. Um, we don't have uh, to deal with any, any of these sorts of things. Um, but I think that the only way we're going to get out of this is to start listening to each other in a way that minimizes, uh, you know, maximizes identity in a way that allows people to live for being themselves, but doesn't romanticize the rich and the poor. We need to get back to a point where we're romanticizing, you know, everyday humanity. And when I walk out the door every day, I don't see the same, uh, I, I don't see the same polarization that I see online. So I think if we can infuse a little more of our everyday reality with what's online, uh, we can do some positive. And one, I just want one, one final quick comment about that based on what you said, Mike, about what, what we see online not being the reality. Um, to quote Will McAvoy, because I can't go an hour without an Aaron Sorkin reference. <laughs> we were great because we were informed. Mm -hmm. We were great because we were informed. We are not informed now. And, and however, whatever form that takes, we need to be informed or we don't stand a chance. Absolutely. And I think, you know, and I hope, you know, that, that's always been uh, our goal for cocktails and calamities too. Uh, try to help when it comes to uh, informative and interesting conversation that leads to, uh, you know, a breadth of thought and not a, uh, a black and white polarization of some sort of made up. Uh, Amen. Or distractions, because, you know, we could have spent an hour talking about Gerald Baskin's volunteer. That's true. Or chai latte Oreos. <laughs> Hold on. Can we take Carol Baskin's Chai Latte Oreos and Kim Kardashian and make one Dancing with the Stars? That's for sure. I'm just for Can sure. there be a tiger? Yes. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it ate her husband. Uh, gentlemen, thank you so much. Uh, Kristen, thank you so much. It's been, it's been an absolute pleasure. And Thank you, everybody. Take care, my friends. As the Great globe continues the to shrink Bye -bye. and the power of information screams forward, every action, every idea has a chance to catch fire and set the world ablaze. In this time of great uncertainty, we look boldly in the face of calamity with cocktail in hand. Join us every single week as we discuss the technology, 
politics and social issues facing humanity's global future. If you'd like bonus content, our weekly newsletter, or an opportunity to join us live, simply go to cocktailsandcalamity.com to join the movement. You can find us live on Facebook at Cocktails and Calamity every Friday at 5 p.m. You can also watch or listen anytime on YouTube, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. Join us live, engage in the conversation. We'll see you there.